Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a bonus episode in between seasons of uh, Absorbent and Yellow, a SpongeBob deep dive. Today on the podcast, uh, we're going to be discussing the film, the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. With us today is guest Sarah Watka. Sarah, how are you doing today? I am great. How are you, Sam? I am fantastic. Um, waking up and excited. I think to talk about this movie. <laughs> so, uh, real quick before we get into it, first, um, why are we doing this movie? Uh, like discussing it? Well, basically, I've always known. I talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, but I've always known the format of this show will be: we'll go through every episode, season one, season two, season three, and then the end of the original run and the Hillenburg years is the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, the 2004 classic. Um, but as I got into season one, I was like, man, now that I know more that Steven Hillenburg was a bit more involved in both of the subsequent SpongeBob films, I'm really curious to like visit those, but it doesn't, I'm definitely not going to cap off the series with them. Cause like, what if I don't like them or whatever? So we're visiting this one, uh, in between season uh, one and two, and then we'll, we'll visit the other one in between seasons two and three. Um, and both of these I think are going to be, they're not getting the full treatment of clips and like really in-depth, like pulling apart. It'll probably be similar uh, length to a normal episode, but for the, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, we'll do a much deeper dive all the way to rock bottom of that film. But so we're talking about this one. Um, speaking of which, Sarah, are you aware what day it is? Uh, no. Is it Leif Erikson Day? <laughs> no. Good guess. Uh, <laughs> it. I had no idea about this until I checked Twitter this morning. Today, when we are recording this on Thursday, November 19th, 2020, today marks the 16th anniversary of the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. <gasps> so that's crazy. Wow. 16 years it can drive it can it can drive only if it passes its uh boating test boating exam (laughs) yeah exactly okay but so we're not talking about that movie we're talking about this movie which of course came out many years after um the spongebob squarepants movie um this kind of came out of a deal with paramount and nickelodeon uh partly just like wanting to strengthen their partnership um and use more nickelodeon properties old and new um to make nickelodeon animated films um and release them through paramounts um and it also came out of a desire for nickelodeon to pick back up uh, SpongeBob SquarePants's kind of waning um, television ratings. Um, this uh, film was in development for many years. It, it had been rumored for several years and then finally was getting worked on, changed a lot throughout the process. Uh, There's a lot of, I think, uh, 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 producer meddling, maybe, uh, would be the cynical way to look mm-hmm. at it. Uh, Feedback would be the more charitable way to look at it, but we'll get into that later. Um, And it ended up coming out a whole year after it was originally intended to, from 2014 to 2015. This is the SpongeBob movie, uh, Sponge Out of Water. So, oh, and one more thing. We'll do a little bit of a spoiler-free section and then get into spoilers. I'm guessing that if you haven't seen this movie yet, you're not going to be too concerned about spoilers, but just so you know. With that, though, Sarah, would you kick us off and just tell us what did you think of the second SpongeBob movie? Oh, well, 
as you probably know, I have a lot of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into watching it with a decently open mind. Mm-hmm. I will say I found it um, mildly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there are parts to love about it and parts that I really didn't love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and overall, I I don't think I would watch it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I, I mean, yeah. So we can obviously yeah. we'll get into it. But right. what what about you? What are well, your first? Let me thoughts? just ask you straight up: if, sure. yes or no? Did you like this movie? No. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, so wait, what about you? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you asked. My answer would be no. I did not like this movie. I think that I pretty much agree. There are some re- redeeming parts of it. Um, mm-hmm. My expectations were it was weird. I, I did not see this movie when it came out. I remember this movie coming out and people asking like, yeah. "Oh, are you going to go see it or whatever?" And then yep, having to go through the typical too. rigmarole of like, no, you don't understand. The original creator left back after the first movie. It's totally different now. All the complaints mm-hmm. you hear about how it's bad for kids. That's like the post Hillenburg years and stuff like that. And so I'm not super interested in this one, you know. And then mm-hmm. all the marketing coming out, like, and we got to talk. We could talk about that here, I guess. The marketing for this film. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but it was so odd compared to it was odd without context but especially having seen the film the marketing Mm -hmm. very much implied that this is a movie about spongebob and his friends going to land and becoming 3d animated people and eventually superheroes (laughs) the title itself sponge out of water implies that that is the main crux of the film um which slight spoilers i guess is not the case but so my expectations were like dirt low uh like way before and that's why i didn't ever see it then i found out that steven hillenberg was more involved in this film than i had originally thought so that kind of piqued my interest um Mm -hmm. and then when i i saw a scene on youtube doing research for season one of a a scene from this movie and i was like flabbergasted like oh there's a lot more 2d animation in this movie than i thought and the animation is very Mm -hmm. charming um and like colorful and stuff so then i was like almost morbidly curious like i kind of want to watch this movie now like i'm my curiosity just peaked so at that point my expectations were not necessarily like oh it's going to be super good but back to like neutral but still relatively low like i would say very open mind after like What I'm trying to say is that I feel like I'm being really, really fair (laughs) because I thought that this movie would be terrible. And then I went back to a neutral. I have an open mind about it, you know? Um, So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like I was expecting this to blow me away. I had also seen the Rotten Tomatoes score of um, (laughs) it's got 82% on the critic side. I'm pulling it up just to make sure. Um, Sponge out of water. But so I remember seeing that even at the time, like, that's so odd. Like, it's getting, like, decent uh, reviews, 81%, um, which, in fairness, does not mean uh, I could go on a rant about this, too, how people misinterpret (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes. But that does not mean that Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 81 out of 100 score. That means that 81% of critics, uh, uh, like, surveyed by Rotten Tomatoes um, 
would have given it a passing grade or higher. So okay, it could have yeah. an average, you know, review of like six and a half out of 10. Anyway, mm-hmm. the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 54%. So that was interesting. Like, okay, there seems to be a little mm-hmm. bit of a discrepancy here. And mm-hmm. back when it came out and today, uh, the reviews that I would kind of skim past were often like, this movie is really weird but fans of the show will probably love it. And even the critics consensus of mm. uh, the movie on Rotten Tomatoes says the SpongeBob movie sponge out of water won't win over many viewers who aren't fans of the show, but for the converted, it's another colorful uh, burst of man- manic fun. And I heard that and I just was even still suspicious. I was like, <laughs> you say that, but I kind of have a feeling that that's written from the perspective of someone who's not a fan of the show. And they're mm. thinking like, well, clearly this is made for the fans. So fans will probably love it. <laughs> and yeah. I think that if you are a huge fan of season four on SpongeBob, you probably will like this movie. Um, but if you are a sponge purist like me, and I don't mean to be like snobbish and like you consume a children's no, yeah. cartoon incorrectly. Right. You know? um, but if you are kind of a sponge purist like me, uh, I don't think that you will enjoy this movie. There are mm-hmm. redeemable parts. There are really sweet parts. Um, so don't hear me say like, don't watch it, but all that to say, I really think that I was fair with it and it was a roller coaster, man, but mostly a roller coaster trending down. Okay. I didn't mean to vent that much, but (laughs) those are my feelings. (laughs) No, I think it's it's good. (laughs) Um, a little bit more information about the making of this movie before we get into it. Uh, like on a plot level, the story itself was put together by um, Paul Tibbet and Steven Hillenburg. So Steven Hillenburg, of course, creator of SpongeBob, showrunner for first three seasons. Um, Paul Tibbet, showrunner for season four on. Eventually, he would be replaced as well. But um, so he's a longtime SpongeBob alum. And to be clear, though, I am not a fan of the seasons that he. Uh, show run he has been around since season one and mm-hmm. um steven hillenberg very much trusted him to take the reins of spongebob so he's not a nobody the basic bones of the story were uh made by them um but and i knew from research on season one uh one of the nice things that came out of this movie, which sounds really mean to say, but um, was it prompted a lot more interviews with Steven Hillenburg, which has made my life easier and better, like just mm. wanting to learn about the making of the show because you kind of mm-hmm. are obligated to do press junkets and stuff like that when your movie's coming out. Um, and in one interview, he said that for the first film, they had the basic structure of the story and then they're like, we'll just do this like we do every 11 minute cartoon. It'll be storyboard driven and we'll just use basically sticky notes to make uh, like interstitial frames and write the story that way. And then quickly mm-hmm. realize that what works for an 11 minute film does not work for a 90 minute film. And that was like mm-hmm. kind of hell for them. So they made a point on this one to come up with the bones of the story, but then write it more like a traditional movie script. So then mm-hmm. the uh, screenplay was put together by Jonathan Abel and Glenn Berger, who Mm -hmm. uh, at the time were known for writing the Kung Fu Panda movies um, and have since also written Trolls and Trolls World Tour. So 
good or bad, that is already kind of bringing in, you know, the quote unquote professionals. The first movie very much Mm -hmm. was like the team that made the show made the first movie. This one is like, let's bring in some DreamWorks alum and have them work on this. Um, I have here also some pretty uh, damning uh, information about... Oh, where is it? I've got a screenshot about just kind of the involvement of the studio. Um, Yeah. The interesting thing about projects like this is I think that typically, you know, people try to be cordial and like not talk about. I mean, it's very rare. It happens, but it's very rare that you get a director or someone like that being like the studio ruined the movie, you know, especially Mm because like if you want to keep working with the studio, like you just have to play ball. According to Clancy Brown which is very interesting to me because uh, the person to spill the beans was the voice actor who plays <laughs> Mr. Krabs, you know, but it, yeah. <laughs> according to Clancy Brown, this film was very different from the first because almost all aspects of it were controlled and monitored by executives from Paramount who were leaning over everybody's shoulder. That's a direct quote from him leaning over everybody's shoulder saying what should and shouldn't be done. They made a mm-hmm. number of changes to improve marketing And, uh, yeah, none of these are spoilery, uh, removing scenes featuring Mrs. Puff and Pearl who were deemed less popular than Sandy, um, whom they requested to be given a starring role. Um, Steven Hillenberg originally planned to give Sandy and Mrs. Puff the same amount of screen time. Um, and then inserting the CGI sequences when the film was initially meant to be entirely 2d animated. These scenes were used as the basis for all posters and commercials. Um, that is a huge change because that is like a major aspect to this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am willing to bet that basically there, there are some, there are a lot of things that I'm like, not like a big fan of this, but I don't hate it. And then there were some things that I honestly hated. I'm willing to bet the most of them were studio, uh, meddling, like causes of studio Mm -hmm. meddling. Um, okay. I've ranted a lot. Um, do you have any more thoughts before we get into the, the plot of this movie? I mean, I guess I just, I wonder what this movie would have looked like without all of that. Right. Um, even like, well, yeah, obviously we'll get into it, but I, I right. wonder if how much better it would have been or, or how much more people like us who love, you mm-hmm. know, seasons one through three would have liked it more. Right. Um, and I also, I guess my first impressions were, oh, well, this wasn't, um, like, the script wasn't actually written by Steven Hillenburg, and it was directed right. by Paul Tip. Like, I was just like, oh, well, right. of course, that makes sense. But actually, I mean, what what you were saying makes sense mm-hmm. that they had to adjust, you know, for the first right. movie, so they um, made adjustments on this one. But, yeah, I do mm-hmm. wonder what kind of film it would have been without a lot of the added CGI. I also, yeah, I saw that, um, I can't remember their names, but the voice actors for Pearl and Mrs. Puff mm. were on the right. credits. And I was like, they weren't even in this. Right. 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 <laughs> Cause uh-huh. they were cut. And that's such right. a bummer. Cause we, as we will see, yes. Do I love Sandy? Do I think she's interesting? Mm-hmm. Yep. But they kind of ruined her in this film. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah, so I agree. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like there, you can just see, I had a note 
it'll be interesting to see where it comes up in like the sequence of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wrote down SpongeBob definitely feels different, and that wasn't yes. even meant to say like, and I hate it, and kids shouldn't like this because this isn't how mm-hmm. I remember or whatever. But just to kind of observe, like I went in with an open mind. And it felt almost at first like, oh, they're trying to make it feel like the SpongeBob that we remember, you know, this is a mm-hmm. little less manic than the cartoon was at this point, the, the television mm-hmm. show. Um, but after a bit and after me trying to give it a fair shot, I just had to conclude like, yeah, it's it's hard to put like words to it. It's hard to articulate it, though, though we will mm-hmm. try. Um, yeah. But it just feels different. And you you just feel that consuming the film but then when you start looking at the making of this film you kind of peel back layer after layer so you're mm-hmm. like okay so this was birthed out of the work of Paul Tibbet which no disrespect to him but just a different voice than Steven Hillenburg mm-hmm. and yeah. in fairness you know that was like Hillenburg gave him the reins and it was his show at that point so already you're a step removed that way and, and I expected that much but mm-hmm. then you get that this movie exists because Paramount wants a Spongebob movie period because we need to make mm-hmm. money you know you're like okay so that's not really like uh an organic you know uh inspired story right um then you get the introduction of the Kung Fu Panda writers and I love the Kung Fu Panda movies but you already think like, okay, so this probably isn't going to be written out of like, we get SpongeBob and this is how the characters talk. Mm -hmm. This is probably going to be written more from like, these are the jokes that kids like today. Then you get all of the meddling from the studio. And I have a feeling like with that first movie, the, the show team covered all of it. Steven Hillenburg, they'd been trying to get him to make a movie for a while. And he finally said yes on like several conditions. And I think that he had a lot of creative control over it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also even just small decisions like, you know, um, like the music that's in that first film. Uh, There's a really fun interview with, I believe it's with the shins and Steven Hillenberg approached the shins and was like, would you write a song for the SpongeBob movie? Um, And they're like, oh my gosh, we would love to. Um, Would you like us to collaborate with like a Justin Timberlake or what were you thinking? And Steven Hillenberg straight up told them like, what? No, I don't want him in this movie. Like I'm picking you guys because like you guys are my favorite band. And he just (laughs) went with music that he liked. And I think that that affects the feel of, of the whole movie. This mm-hmm. you can clearly tell, like a studio is like these artists are popular. This is the music mm-hmm. that will be in that in here. Yep. It, it reminds me of like you know in the Charlie Brown movie, the Peanuts movie, rather halfway mm-hmm. through. There's like an original like pop slash rap song or whatever you know. Mm-hmm. And if you love that genre, awesome. But it did not fit Charlie Brown at all. And I, to mm-hmm. me, that's like the epitome of like, hey, kids like this. This is what's hot. I don't care what mm-hmm. movie this is. It has to go in, you know? Anyway, okay. Yeah. I'm being much more <laughs> venti and curmudgeon <laughs> than I meant. Um, unless you have any other thoughts, I say let's officially give the spoiler warning and just go start going through yeah. the story. Let's dive in. Good roll program confirmed. In a recent sonar scan of the ocean floor, scientists recorded a sound never before heard by human ears. Oh, make it stop, Gramps! Make it stop! 
from Paramount Animation and Nickelodeon Movies. Who wants Krabby Patty? <laughs> the secret Krabby Patty formula. It's gone. Without it, it will be a complete breakdown of social order. Aren't you overreacting a bit? Welcome to the apocalypse. I hope you like leather. The SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water, in 3D. Mr. Super Awesomeness, take him down. All right. Sarah, what did you think of the opening of the film? I, I'll just say I, I thought it was cute and I thought it was sweet, but I want to know what, what, what you thought. Um... I'm going to be honest. I, I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm remembering the opening now. <laughs> I was like, there's so much to remember from right, this, right. From this movie. I'll, I'll tell you um, something. It, it opens with live action, uh, piratey right. stuff starring Antonio mm-hmm. Banderas. This is how we open the film. Yes. Okay. So I got to say it. I love Antonio Banderas. Yeah, yeah. And so seeing him right away was very fun. Um, but I also, you know, you have, you immediately have many questions, which is kind of a fun way right. to start a movie. Right. Um, and you can obviously tell, um, that this is, what is it? Bikini Atoll? Yeah. I, I always say Atoll. I think it's just okay. Adel. <laughs> I looked okay. up how to pronounce it yesterday, <laughs> but yeah, Bikini We'll call it a toll to feel fancy. But yeah, the, the <laughs> island. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's some familiarity, but this isn't patchy. This is like someone new. Right. Um, this is, you're like, oh, well, cool. We're starting with live action. That's right. interesting and different. Um, so I, I like the opening yeah. from what I remember of it. <laughs> but right, I, right. I remember writing um, like, who is this guy? Right. Why do you need this book? Why is he squaring up with this skeleton? We have many questions. Right. <laughs> Which, yeah. I, not, yep. not all of them are answered. <laughs> no, most of them are not. <laughs> and that's going to be a theme throughout this whole film. Yes. I similarly, so I was very skeptical of all of the Antonio Banderas stuff. Um, mm. I like him as an actor, uh, mm-hmm. but I was like, this just feels very like we need a famous person in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sure. which some people defend because like, well, they did that with David Hasselhoff, but I would argue that is a completely different use of a famous person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But so I was very skeptical going in, but then the movie starts, it's like this epic music and you're like, what is going on? It's like panning around. And then to see Bikini Atoll in like quote unquote live action and like mm-hmm. that, like, bup, 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 like music sting honestly like made my heart sing and i was like okay this is winning me over like that was really sweet at Mm -hmm. at first uh, i was like what like the island can't be that big this is sacrilegious but then i'm like okay no no like loosen up like see where this movie's (laughs) taking me and then very quickly i was like i wrote down this opening is so odd awkward (laughs) lol um it it just felt like Nickelodeon trying to do live action, which, mm-hmm. um, and not like in a Drake and Josh way, but like trying to do like action, live action. And it mm-hmm. felt like, oh man, w- w- was this the start of like what be- would become the door of the Explorer movie? Like, oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it like later I, w- I wrote down, but I started feeling it here. Um, trying to do, cartoon movements in live action just like does not work and and the epitome of that for me was 
they tried to do this really silly thing where he was dodging all these spikes coming up from the ground, but -hmm. there's like four feet in between each spike (laughs) and there's no need for him to be like dancing around visually. (laughs) And he also, the actor just can't move that fast. So he's not even Mm -hmm. moving like a cartoon. So I was immediately like, uh Oh, <laughs> like mm-hmm. this isn't looking good. Um, and then like, even just him squaring off with a skeleton, I was like, this is odd, but I'll, you know, stick with it, see where it's going or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote down, this is rough, but cute. <laughs> like they're okay, yeah. giving it the old mm-hmm. college try, you know? Um, yeah. and, and visually, um, Oh man, this is so heartbreaking to read. I wrote down, I have a feeling this will end up being a fun little little jaunt. Um, and I think that I wrote that once we like got to Bikini Bottom. But at this yeah. point in the film, I was like, I think that probably this movie isn't gonna be a lot, but I'll end up being like, Oh, that was cute. Like there wasn't a lot there, but that that was yeah. cute and I enjoyed it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is not how I ended up feeling. Not the case. So, no. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. That's so sad. So we, uh, Burger Beard, which we don't learn his name until like late into the movie, but Burger Beard, mm-hmm. um, who I need to also say, like, it was honestly like hard for me to understand his dialogue. Like oh, he, yeah. he had a, I don't know. I, it didn't work for me. The like voice he was going for, I was like, I get that. Mm-hmm. Like he's trying to be silly. Um, but he was like so grumbly. I was like this feels like a shell of a man. Like this isn't like a real character, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so he gets the book. Uh, we kind of learn through filling in the lines ourselves, what the book is. And it basically ends up being like a magical book that decides the fate of everyone, I guess maybe. Uh, but Mm -hmm. so he begins telling this story. Um, and, these cute seagulls, which I was mixed on. Sometimes they were for me. Sometimes they didn't. Um, yeah. They're like asking him to like read the story and stuff. And, and anyway, he, he transitions into um, the story taking place in bikini bottom. And that's how we tee up uh, the two dimensional animated bikini bottom story. Um mm-hmm. Okay, now that we're in Bikini Bottom, Sarah, what did you think of this section of the film? Kind of this like beginning Bikini Bottom section. Yeah, um, there. I think what I'm remembering is um, the parts I didn't like, but yeah, totally, for the most yeah. part, well, do you? Well, I feel like there was maybe a little something missing, like um, uh-huh. a little familiarity mm-hmm. i wanted more of that to right. s- to start us off in bikini bottom like right. kind of like you said the feeling you got when you heard the or the you right. know the music and then yep. it's um mm-hmm. you see even if it's you know a cgi bikini right. at all um but i wanted more of that and i think in my opinion we would have gotten that um had this one song not been cut. I don't know if you want to talk about that right now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So if you go online, you can find the song, thank gosh, it's Monday, um, which ended up being cut from the film, but it was fully animated and everything. Um, And I think it was used for like 
promotional material leading up to the film, um, like the film's release, that is. Uh, but yeah, I have to assume it was originally going to be the opening scene, at least once we got to Bikini Bottom. Um, and it's basically just like a little musical number um, of SpongeBob singing, similar to his getting ready scene from the first movie, but him just singing about how much he loves Monday because he gets to go to work. Um, and it's where we're introduced to SpongeBob, to Gary, to Squidward, and to Patrick. But yeah, you wish that they had kept it in? Yeah, I think it would have provided a little, even like if it's a new, you know, it's a song we don't know, or like right. it's not fully like, okay, we're in the groove of SpongeBob. Right. Um, I think it would have made me feel more like, okay, we're in Bikini Bottom. I know right. these characters. Anyway, um, I felt like uh, the conflict started really quickly, which some yeah. episodes start that way. Right. Um, but that's also for 11 minutes. Right. <laughs> um, right. And so like there was, it didn't seem like there was any beginning space taken, but I might be, I don't know. I might be remembering it mm-hmm. differently. Yeah. I think you're remembering it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I should also shout out. There's a, a shot in the thank gosh it's monday clip like towards the very end where spongebob grabs his name tag and heads out the door um and in the shot on the wall you can kind of see things that like spongebob loves so there's a framed photo of gary um but then also there is a framed photo of uh, mermaid man and barnacle boy which i believe this film was dedicated to ernest borgnine because he passed during the making of this movie there Mm -hmm. is a a frame that just has gold stars next to uh, SpongeBob and Squidward's faces, which I assume either is a reference to Employee of the Month or like the Golden Doodle uh, episode with Mrs. Puff. Mm. Um, though that was obviously Patrick and not Squidward. Um, and then there's also um, the original, uh, I'm blanking on what it was called, but his spatula from the first episode. You can see it like all three uh, spatula heads oh, are yeah. sticking out of it. And then also mm-hmm. the seaweed from like his seaweed mustache from the first film is framed on the wall, <laughs> which I was telling Sarah, mm-hmm. it's like both cute and kind of frustrates me because like I said, last episode in my head canon sees or the, the first film is still the end of the series. It's mm-hmm. obviously in the, I guess, official SpongeBob canon. I think officially there basically is no SpongeBob canon, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's even just one example of like, before studio meddling, there was a bit more love towards SpongeBob. And I wasn't sure going in, will this just be a SpongeBob story or will this be a, a world like impending doom type story like the first movie, but either way, I thought it would at least be like a love letter to SpongeBob. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that it mostly was just a SpongeBob story, but it did not feel like a love letter to SpongeBob to me. It felt like there were occasional throwbacks to the show. Um, Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know. So yeah, at this point, this is when I started feeling like, yeah, SpongeBob definitely feels different, but that's, you know, Mm -hmm. that was the case with the show at this time. So it's whatever. There's Mm -hmm. a couple like nice things in here. The animation is beautiful looking yeah um they're mm-hmm. pacing and everything felt weird to me but again the show did at that time so that's to be expected patrick at one point gets hit in the head and says finland 
which was a sweet yeah, throwback. Um, I like that. I put Frank a little smiley face kind of. Yep. Yep. Same. <laughs> um, so there, there are references. Um, I noticed really mm-hmm. early on that there is like a, a, a quote unquote, like real movie time composer in this film. It's the same composer who did mm-hmm. uh, Iron Man 2, Elf, uh, many others. Um, for the first film, they just got the guy who made kind of the stock music for that's in the background of the show. But this one, yeah. So it's just interesting to note. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I'll. Well, I will say that I didn't love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, I I felt like, oh my gosh, awesome! Whenever you would hear like some of the Blue Hawaiians music, right, right, um, or like little transitions that we mm-hmm. love from the show because mm-hmm. the music is so distinct, right. Um, but there were st- they were so few and far between. So like. I get that it makes it feel like more of a feature film, but um, I didn't love the music in this. Yeah, no, I agree. That's all I, I agree. Because <laughs> um, it just, it feels, uh, it's sad to say, but it feels like uh, if the cast of SpongeBob were action figures or puppets or something, it feels like Paramount came in and was like, hey, can we use your puppets? Um, mm-hmm. We know we know how to make movies, so we'll handle all, all of that, but we just need like the the action figures to play with, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And so then it ends up just not feeling the same, which was then at the mm-hmm. same point, like I wrote down, like these one liners are so bad <laughs> and yeah. it just felt like just very typical. And here, maybe I should say like, if you're just a kid, maybe you just like this movie. Cause it just feels like a kid's movie. Um, yeah. but I do not like SpongeBob just because I like any kid's movie, which has got to mm-hmm. be like the most, up my own nose thing that I've said <laughs> <laughs> in the entirety of the history of this podcast. But genuinely, the reason that I love SpongeBob is because it does stand out. And that's why I love other mm-hmm. things like, you know, different Pixar films, stuff like that. Um, but the jokes mm-hmm. in here are just very, and I'm going to ruin kids' movies for a lot of people. When you notice <laughs> it, you will never unsee it. Uh, there are like, a dozen jokes that appear in every kid's movie. And I even wrote down these jokes are so similar to quote unquote, I think I'm going to be sick. But then I was like, Oh no, they actually use that joke in this movie. Um, I think that Sandy says it and I think she might actually vomit. I can't Mm -hmm. remember. Uh, But stuff like that, like I think I'm going to be sick or a character going awkward or like uh, stuff like Mm -hmm. that. It's just so, I don't know what to call it. But it is a very specific yeah. brand of humor that is in all it these is. kid movies that I thought SpongeBob was above. But and just, yeah. there are like fart esque sounds in SpongeBob. Yeah. But at this point in this movie, there's so many like literal fart and butt jokes. Um, that I'm just like, I, I was gonna say things that I'm not here for. Yes, booty uh-huh. humor, right. body humor, and right. potty humor. Like yeah. Uh-huh. And, and there's so much of that in this movie. And I get that, like, there are the occasional, you know, like, we talk about, like, the gross, um, there's some gross things that right. we don't love in SpongeBob, right. but they but they work. And right, right. Um, they're not, like, we've talked about the shock mm-hmm. value or, you right, know, right. G- like, gore. Or, like, I, I don't know. Not, right. not, there's not gore in this movie, but, mm-hmm. like morphing bodies just the things that 
I personally don't like about later seasons. There was a lot of that in here. Um, and yeah, I do think that yeah. <laughs> SpongeBob is generally not full of that. Um, right. And there was, yeah, too much of that in yep. here. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's a symptom of the TV show, but it's just amplified here too. Um, yeah. Like, I think that I, for the most part, all of seasons one through three, the shock stuff in that, I really enjoy, but I think that it works because it is so rare. Um, But in seasons four on, it becomes just like very common. And Mm -hmm. I, I mean, listeners write in and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there is an episode um, somewhere between season four and 10 that uh, someone is performing surgery. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. I look like a real donkey now. I think that might actually be from season three where, where someone pokes someone's heart and it starts shooting blood. But even if it is from season three, that's the kind of stuff that I don't like. And that comes mm-hmm. up often um, in later um, yeah. episodes. Like there's an episode in season mm-hmm. six or something where like Squidward's big toenail gets peeled back and it's just like, Ugh. Ugh. so anyway, no. there's that's in this movie too. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not here for it. Yeah. Um, this might be like the most depressing note I have here because I wrote like a paragraph. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote, these one-liners are so bad, LOL. I don't know how to describe it, but this feels exactly how I thought it would. Lame, mm-hmm. then made epic. So like kind of a yeah. lame like uh, uh, ground floor and then like trying to make that lame thing that you thought up feel really epic. Um, yeah. I wrote, the Krabby Patty feels overstated. Like it just felt weird to have the entire town be like, Oh no, the Krabby Patty. Like the Krabby Patty is the thing that makes the world keep ticking in bikini. Yeah. Bottom. That brings everyone together. It's right. Like, Cause that felt like a parent who was somewhat familiar with SpongeBob, like came up with that concept. Like, well, of course you need mm-hmm. the Krabby Patty, you know, but like mm-hmm. if you're really familiar with the DNA of those first three seasons, like the rest of the town kind of, does they they don't dislike spongebob but he's annoying you know um which is like Mm -hmm. one of the key issues in that first film is that everybody thinks that he's a wingnut mcspazitron you know but in this they're like spongebob Mm -hmm. is the hero of our town everybody acts like they know that spongebob is the main character (laughs) and that the krabby patty is the life-giving thing of their city you know it just feels so wrong to me um, it really does. I I love that you said it feels like a parent that's like, oh yeah, like they've right. tu- they like walked through the living room twice, right? As right. Exactly. Was going on, and that's what they think it's about, <laughs> right? Like, imagine if they made a Pokemon movie and Pikachu is the only Pokemon. It'd be like, did a parent come up with this? You know, because you tell a parent like, oh, like my favorite Pokemon's Charmander, and they're like, who's Charmander? I thought Pikachu was the Pokemon. You know, that's what it feels like. We actually cut Charmander out because he's not as interesting. Yeah. As oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. Okay. So oh. uh, continuing, uh, this is still in the same paragraph. I wrote the background characters feel wrong, um, which I think mm-hmm. was probably referring to them all they exist for spongebob you know and then i wrote mm-hmm. uh, this might be my harshest critique i wrote flanderization the movie so i've talked in previous episodes how flanderization is a term that comes from the simpsons and how uh specifically the character ned flanders over time just became a character of himself um mm-hmm. and the most interesting or silly or dramatic tendencies of a character as the show goes on just become more and more intense um i think that that happened to 
SpongeBob. That's happened to other shows. I think that that happened like to The Office, where by the end mm-hmm. of the show, it's no longer like I'm a fly on the wall in a real office, but like Dwight Schrute like should go to prison, you know. Mm. Um, and so I was like, it's like if they just made a movie based around that concept. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote. The jokes are beyond predictable. Like I could predict where every single joke was going. And then Mm -hmm. at the end of that, I wrote, but it's for kids. So all of this is with a huge grain of salt. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. But this might be the most tragic. I then wrote at this point in the film, like Sandy comes in and I wrote, I appreciate Sandy having a bigger role. And oh, if I could go back in time and (laughs) warn myself. Like, do not celebrate yet that they are like holding Sandy in high regard and celebrating her as a character. Yeah. Um, So let's just talk about it doesn't matter at what point in the movie. What did you think of uh, Sandy's use in this film, Sarah? Well, you know, I'm a huge Sandy fan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was like, very cute. Like, I love the little, you know, she's driving in her car through the drive-thru. Right. Krusty Krab has a drive-thru, you know. It's <laughs> right. very cute. She's back at her tree dome enjoying uh-huh. her Krabby Patty. Um, and then sees this message from above or mm-hmm. whatever. And is seeing, you know, the town go crazy. I guess we haven't right. really talked about what's happening in the plot. but Oh, that's the, right. Yeah. Uh, I... Basically, she turns she crazy, right. um, and she is like she's covered up her entire tree dome with mm-hmm. paper, and mm-hmm. she's like doing these experiments, but like she's turned into this. I don't know, like um, she's like, like the hill- mad scientist, right? <laughs> yeah, like- mad scientist who's like living in the hills and like. Right no one believes her anymore because she has this, these crazy ideas that, you know, the world's going to end. And right. I mean, they ruined her. Not only like her animation is scary <laughs> uh, and creepy and yeah. sad and she's like skinny and her hair yeah. is everywhere. Um, but you think, okay, so they're doing all this to her. She's obviously going to play a big role in like making it, Right. all better right? right like she's gonna be the hero maybe uh-huh. or, or something like she's right. gonna play a big part in the culmination of it right. spoiler alert not really no i mean like they also change her animation which is kind of funny to, she's a live squirrel in the end spoilers yeah. um but it's like it's i don't only know for a joke though you know it's only for a joke so like she, I think, above all, is used so poorly in mm-hmm. any, you know, continuation of the plot. Right. Her dialogue is dumb. Right. Like, right. Her animation is gross. Yeah. Um, and I like, was, like, offended with how they drew her <laughs> at one yeah. point. Like, I, it, I mean, like, her it was eyes, actually like, upsetting. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. So you, I'm guessing, have similar thoughts. It's yeah. just... Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I so I'm not as big of a fan of Sandy as, as you, but I do like Sandy and and you mm-hmm. can kind of feel that uh they just like it took them a while early on to figure out what to do with her, but I was mm-hmm. like 
uh, one of my very few critiques of that first movie is like, oh, I wish that they had included Sandy somewhat. And yeah. even like if the story worked best with it being a, a buddy road trip film with SpongeBob and Patrick, if they could have just at least like explained why she wasn't there or like yeah. included her in some way, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. seeing that she was more included in this, I was excited. But then by the end, I'm like, she was only included because some executive was like, she needs to be there or whatever. And that they literally make a joke at the end of like, wait, where's Sandy? She's not here. You know, I was yeah. like, what the heck? And then yeah. that she's like a live action squirrel or whatever, like whatever, like do the joke or whatever. But it didn't <laughs> to me feel like enough of a payoff or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was just so bothered by mm-hmm. how they treated her character specifically with her, like going mad, you know? Um, yeah. I yeah. think a lot of this movie is not consistent with like what we know about right. the characters. Right. Um, but I think she was, well, I'd say Patrick too. She and Patrick mm-hmm. kind of were used pretty poorly, I think. Right. Yeah. And what bothered me too, is that they go back and forth between this being like a new thing and they'll use the characters. However, but, but then wanting to have their cake and eat it too and be like, look, it's Squidward and he plays the clarinet and get it? Like trying to like kind of appeal to your nostalgia for the show <laughs> yeah. while at the same time like mm-hmm. completely disregarding mm-hmm. your nostalgia for the show, you know? Um, and yeah. I probably don't yep. need to keep saying this, but again, like I get this is a kid made for, for – uh, this is a movie made for kids. I also said this is a kid made for movies. That's a very – different dark thing but uh this is a, a movie made for kids and it 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 doesn't need like i'm not trying to be like why didn't you make this movie for me but it didn't work for me um okay also a thing that bothered me uh oh y- you're right we did we haven't talked about like the plot of this film let's just like run through quick basically what happens very typical plankton is trying to steal the uh crabby patty formula again which is like you know fun familiar whatever but basically mm-hmm. burger beard for some indescript reason has stolen magically the crabby patty formula um the whole town falls apart for some reason um because there's no crabby patties and that's like the lifeblood of bikini bottom um and the main issue of the story is uh they have to get the Krabby Patty formula back somehow. Um, and the main characters of this film, if you were to really narrow it down, oddly enough, which is like an interesting and uh, even fun take, the main characters are Plankton and SpongeBob. Um, this mm-hmm. is mostly a duo film between them. And the message of the film is mostly teamwork. Um, like mm-hmm. if there's one moral for kids to take away, it's like teamwork makes a dream work, you know? Mm-hmm. And the conflict is like both trying to get the... Krabby Patty secret formula back and um, trying to get these two to act as a team and all of Bikini Bottom to act as a team. Um, Early on, Plankton climbs inside of SpongeBob's brain. And I just got to say, like, I it's never worked for me how postseason three more and more they leaned into like SpongeBob loves rainbows and unicorns and stuff like Mm -hmm. they dabbled a little bit in that uh, in seasons one through three. But when they did, it was mostly like kind of a funny like, oh, isn't it funny? Like how cheery SpongeBob is. He would like unicorns, but they never make Mm -hmm. that a staple of him. But Mm -hmm. then at this point they have and I know that it's silly, but like they have like 
cotton candy and unicorns and stuff, which only would exist above land. Um, and even the inside of his brain looks like land. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Just again, kind of the flanderization thing happening. Yeah. Um, SpongeBob is so annoying in this movie. Yeah. Like, it feels like ordinarily, you know, you're meant to feel like SpongeBob is so happy go lucky, but the text of the film implies that you're meant to sympathize with him. Whereas in this, mm-hmm. it's like, the it's supposed to be funny how insufferable spongebob is which is like mm-hmm. a fine line between the two but i do think that there's a difference um and at this point in the film they have gone back and forth so many times like with like where the plot is going that this was the point where i wrote down i don't like this <laughs> like yeah uh, i'm even trying to figure out like what point was that but that's the thing is that it all blurs in my mind because literally just the geography of this film does not make very much sense or it's not Mm -hmm. like satisfying or gratifying in any way because Mm -hmm. they go they're in the crusty crab and then they're outside in a mob then they're at the chum bucket then Mm -hmm. they're fleeing town and they're going like up onto a mountainside Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking like okay so this is where they like leave bikini bottom to go on their adventure but then like we have to get back into the chum bucket so then they go there and it's really hard to get in but then it's really easy to get in and then they just (laughs) kind of randomly leave and then all of a sudden the whole town is on their side um Mm -hmm. and it just feels so all over the place and it just feels like they're like, oh, then this could happen and that would be funny. And then this could happen and then that would be funny. Yeah. And we'll just fill it with one liners and simple jokes. And there's not a thread taking us through the whole movie um, right. that feels like a satisfying like journey, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, I think I I mean, I definitely would agree with that. Like, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, the piece there is nothing that is tying all of this together because even if it if it's spongebob and plankton that are right because they're the duo that's moving throughout it's not even fully about their journey like right, then we're back right. to burger beard and we're back to then plankton's gone for a while right. and it's just um yeah it's disjointed and um i mean there were parts about it that i remember like that I remember liking visually or that, um, I don't know, mm-hmm. made kind of sense, but yeah, I'm right. even trying to piece it all together right now. And it's like, right. we're always going back to apocalyptic right. bikini bottom, which by the way is disturbing. Yeah. Uh, huh. yeah. But- I, oh, <laughs> where did I write this? Um, I basically wrote down at some point, I don't enjoy apocalyptic bikini bottom. And I get that that's kind of the point, but like a movie, like recently me and Morgan watched um, The Devil All the Time, like the new Netflix oh, film that has dude, Tom yeah. Hall. Have you seen it? Yes. Okay. I'll just say I hated that movie. I don't know if if you liked it, that's okay. <laughs> but I was just like, it felt like the director was like, let's take everything that's not enjoyable and put it in a film and just continue mm. to like hit you over the head with like, but then it gets worse. And- <laughs> It does not work for me to be like, no, but bro, that, and I know that I'm being like very patronizing and like, you know, (laughs) 
with the voice and being. But it felt like to me like the director was like, "No, bro, that's the point, man. Like you just can't handle this or whatever." But I'm just like, "But then why would I want to watch this movie?" And SpongeBob, I'm like, "This is such like a pleasant place to be in SpongeBob." Um, mm-hmm. And I'm okay with there being stakes, but it's like someone thought. People will really enjoy watching this like familiar thing from their childhood fall apart and be really sad and mean. And I'm just like, <laughs> what were you thinking? That for you like thought many that we wanted scenes. Bikini Bottom. Yeah, for a <laughs> long time in this movie. And then you don't even get to see them like, but then they reverse it. They just kind of decide at one point like, oh, yeah, we should just go to the surface. Like... <laughs> It just like flips on yeah. and off like a light switch, which, mm-hmm. holy crap. Speaking of light switch, <laughs> I had already begun to feel like this feels kind of mean-spirited, the, the humor in this movie, but am I just being too mm-hmm. much of a softie or whatever? But when they install Karen into the time machine, which, by the way... um, the taco shop is completely unexplained. And I just <laughs> have to think that some executive was like, tacos are funny, put tacos in the movie. It's yes, anyway. it's a little taco yeah. house, mm-hmm. but it's like it's on a mountain on the top of the hill. Reason? It's yeah. supposed yeah, it's supposed to be like German too. Right. Yeah. Um yeah. it's colorful, which is cool, but that's like where right. Just so everyone knows, that's where they're right. building this weird time machine. Right. But go and ag- on, Karen. Yes. And again, the film is like visually beautiful. Like, yeah. And that was like one of the things that kept me like through this film. Um, mm-hmm. But they install Karen into the time machine. And she's like, okay, this is going to take all my computing power. If there's anything else you want to say? And I could see this joke coming from a mile away. Right. And Plankton says to her, like, something sweet, like, I take you, I took you for granted or whatever. And you start to think, like, oh, it's not going to go. And then she's like, oh, Plank-. and then he turns her, her off like that. And yeah. I'm just like, I get the joke and I see why you put it in there. But it just feels like so mean spirited and so like mm-hmm. not fit for SpongeBob, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I also will say, I mean, there's a lot about apocalyptic, apocalyptic mm-hmm. bikini bottom. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's hard to say. Yeah. Um, not to like a lot, not to like about it. Right. Um, but I wrote bikini. So one of the lines that mm-hmm. Antonio Banderas reads is bikini bottom was an apocalyptic, <laughs> cesspool forevermore and i was like oh my gosh that like hits so different in 2020 (laughs) like it's that's true we don't we don't want to see this okay we we need we watch spongebob to like make us feel good Mm -hmm. about you know anyway so and there's so much um i mean visually the sky is like green and the the, there's dirt everywhere and people are wearing like leather but it's like bordering on inappropriate leather yes. outfits like yep. it, that are not i'd say not okay in a kid's film yeah this is um, one of the parts that offended me it's specifically yeah. how they draw sandy here i like really did not like <laughs> yep and she like yeah she looks really gross and ragged and mm-hmm. um they're i think one of the worst parts is like they're the mob is like bordering on the edge of like they need to they're believing this like right. you know the sandwich gods or whatever right. are like terrorizing uh-huh. the town and so they need to perform a sacrifice and that yeah. i was like yeah so gross. i do not need that yeah. that's yeah. gross and creepy and like 
I don't think that should be any in any kids film. Right. Because it's just like, so isn't it good. funny how horrible and inappropriate this is? Like, mm-hmm. it just gets so dark and not yeah. even in like a shocking, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they went there. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah. And then, um, yeah. you know, they get to Apocalypse in the first film, but it works its way up there. And you are mm-hmm. like, oh no, like SpongeBob has to save the day. It's only for a joke in this one. And they turn it yes. on and off like a light switch, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. I hated the dinosaur it did not make I wrote any it sense down too. I, yeah i literally wrote yeah i wrote down i hate the sacrifice uh and i can't remember i'm not finding it but i literally just wrote down i hate the dinosaur um, i wrote things i don't like sacrifice squidosaurus rex and the dolphin guy but yes. we can get to the dolphin game. Yeah. I also wrote down around this point, I now hate the seagulls. Like they had overstayed their welcome <laughs> at this point. Odd use of, of the musical guests. The song is catchy. <laughs> it's been stuck mm-hmm. in my head on and off the past couple of days. But again, what I was referring to earlier, like the shins are not in this movie. Ween is not in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Nerd and Pharrell Williams are in this movie, which mm-hmm. just feels odd. Um <laughs> And yeah, it hurts how predictable the recipe reveal was. Like, it's just so obvious he's going to grab the wrong one and they played up so long. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a theme too, is that there's scenes that last really long that don't, um, with like even fast paced dialogue, like it's not like they're taking space or time to like complete a joke, but it, it, I mean, yeah, I'd say that's a theme. It feels sure. like they were unable to make this film uh, cinematic length, and it feels like they had to like yeah. add stuff to mm-hmm. to to get it to mm-hmm. eighty minutes. Um, yeah, they're constantly undercutting the themes that they themselves are trying to lay out, and they it's like this film supposedly should make you feel like satisfied and where the plot is going, and it should make you laugh. And it felt, Mm -hmm. this is going to be really harsh, but it felt like they didn't know how to do either. So they tried Mm -hmm. to use everything to do both. So they would start to like do like some character progression or plot progression that felt a little bit undeserved, but at least it's like, okay, they're trying to like, you know, get in my feels. And then they would immediately Mm -hmm. undercut it um, with some joke or take it away or reverse it. And that was meant to like be the the thing that makes me laugh and carries me through. And mm-hmm. I suppose if you strike that right balance where both of those are effective, then you just like, you know, like uh, hands off the steering wheel, just like glide through this movie. But for me, mm-hmm. because neither worked, it just felt like torture <laughs> the whole way yeah. through. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just you're, the viewer is not rewarded through the movie. Like right. you're not rewarded for like getting. Ah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I did not have many thoughts on the dolphin scene because at this point I'm just like, whatever. But so I'll ask you, Mm -hmm. like, what did you think of they get lost in time and meet Bubbles the dolphin? What did you think of this scene? Well, um, I did not like it. Yeah. Um, I think I, I felt like the voice actor was like oddly familiar. Right, right. Um, but also like very like a weird 
a weird voice, (laughs) whether that's how he talks or how he is presenting. I don't know. I I didn't like it. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, was, was that the stop motion part? It must have been because I, yeah, I, I also looked up and it said like, this film will include stop motion. And I couldn't tell what was stop motion. I just assumed that he was like Photoshop or something, but yeah, I think that's part of what I maybe didn't like because I've, I've seen it used where I actually really enjoy it. Um, but it felt like a weird addition. And then he like, so he comes in towards the end to kind of help. Yeah get them to land yeah, yeah. and like make sure they can breathe on land so they can defeat burger beard. Right. Um, but like, I don't know, such a secondary character. Like it's mm-hmm. not like he really, that was like the one thing he did. And so the scene where they're in space, um, it was just another scene where you're like, what is happening? Like they came in this right. time machine to try to, figure out how to get the formula back um and now they're like babysitting the planets kind of and like obviously the planets crash into one another which is predictable um while this dolphin guy's on a bathroom break and then anyway he's like trying to kill them i guess and then they go back in the time machine and anyway he shows up later to help them because apparently losing his job was the best thing ever. It just, um, I think the stop motion was like weirdly creepy to me. Mm. And maybe cause he's wearing like a robe. I don't know. Um, and I didn't understand, I guess because he's magic or something, that's why they included him. But yeah, I didn't like him. Yeah. 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 And I could see, um, like a critique of us being like, well, this is where the movie's trying to take you and you just don't like where the movie's trying to take you. But here's the thing. This scene for me, ironically, um, I saw on YouTube without context and that's part of why I was like, oh, I think I want to watch this movie because I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Like this movie goes places that I didn't think that it went. Sure, and I thought yeah. that it was going to be this like a uh, crazy Odyssey-esque uh, adventure. Yeah. Um, but the film itself, the story itself is just essentially broken and, and it just doesn't mm-hmm. work. Um, yeah. And so there's glimpses of interesting ideas, but it just does not gel together for me. Yeah. yeah. I, I was even thinking throughout the movie, I was like, oh, this was in the trailer. This was in right. the trailer. Right. Um, and I think, honestly, one of the main like the last maybe 30 minutes, maybe even yeah. 20 minutes, I feel like is the most journeying that happens. And it right. feels like an odyssey, like even right. that little sequence where it's like um, the core characters are uh-huh. going through snow and like climbing up hills right. and getting to the surface. Like, and then once they're on the surface, like that kind of felt to me like, Oh, that makes more sense because it is them journeying to get, to the formula but everything before i don't know that was maybe the most um fluid or like the Mm -hmm. least disjointed part to me in the the lasted like six minutes right yeah because i mean it like basically in the script outline it's like and then they get there you know like it's trying to be like a little lord of the rings-esque like hiking through snow and stuff and then they get there and then all the secondary characters leave um and it doesn't really make sense that they're like, like, well, I don't know. 
<clears throat> they're like we can't breathe up there but though we've seen them like on land before but I, whatever like we've also mm-hmm. seen that they need water to breathe um, right <laughs> i they explain briefly why they look different i think in that like that magic dust is floating down from yeah. bubbles blowhole um mm-hmm. which it was like appreciated but odd because i was like yeah so there's the one detail that we explain. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, like just the joke of like he's not eating us; he'd be chewing us. I was like, it just why was that in there? You know? Yeah, there are um, a lot of dumb yeah. lines like that where you're like, this is we don't need that. Mm-hmm. So then they make it to the surface. Um, at points, I thought that the 3D models looked really cute and interesting, and then at other points, mm-hmm. I was like, these are really ugly and don't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, specifically, Squidward, I thought like did not work um Mm -hmm. there's just like a maybe i don't know maybe i'm just like a puritan but there were a lot of just like girls in bikinis and lots of shots which i just felt Mm -hmm. was like odd for like a kid's movie and just yeah unnecessary i don't know and then on top of that like sorry were you gonna say something uh you might say what i'm gonna say well go ahead well like squidward is yes that scene specifically. <laughs> yeah. There's that like, was beyond unnecessary. That was like yeah. gross to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's a girl like just laying out and has like tanning oil on her yeah. and Squidward gets like caught like in yep. the oil and he can't move. And she's like assuming that her boyfriend is like massaging right. her. And so it's just creepy. She literally starts moaning. And so that's why I'm yeah. like, it's not just like, you know, I'm noticing something that's not there. Clearly, they meant that like, was the point. And yeah. then he'll he'll land on a girl that's in a bikini. You know, it's just like yeah, so mm-hmm. gross and so beneath like SpongeBob. I think. <laughs> and then, well, um, I think too. <laughs> yeah, and then mm-hmm. yeah, I also thought here the live action scenes shot like a cartoon just don't work. Like Antonio Banderas is trying his freaking hardest to yeah. be a cartoon, um, but it just didn't work for me there's not much plot left it's just jokes after jokes after jokes there's no explanation for superheroes and there's no payoff for them being superheroes and that that broke my heart because i was like this is just so clearly like it's 20 you know 12 while we're making this what is the hottest thing right now superheroes this Mm -hmm. is going to be the avengers of spongebob there's yeah. no explanation for it. They just are, you know, Mr. Krabs mm-hmm. is Iron Man. Plankton is the Hulk. Now they just are. Um, mm-hmm. They yep. super SpongeBob is just insufferable. Um, mm-hmm. Sandy is a live action squirrel, which is frustrating. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a deleted scene from the first movie where they find Sandy on land while they're up there. And they're like, Oh my gosh, Sandy. And she looks like a live action squirrel. So, Mm -hmm. like, the idea in and of itself is funny, but for this story, like, I was like, oh, did they reuse that? I didn't think that it worked here. Um, By the way, for the listener, Mm -hmm. it's not like a squirrel-sized squirrel. It's like a giant squirrel. It's a six-foot squirrel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm just running through the rest of my notes, partly because I uh, don't have a lot more specific notes, and I want to be done talking about this and i want yeah. the longest episode of this podcast to not be <laughs> this not film. be this one. <laughs> yeah um squidward dies at one point and then he shows back up uh it's just like there's so yeah. many puns um 
which normally like I'm yeah yeah there's some jokes that I'm like I feel like normally I'd be into this and maybe I would enjoy them in their own like if they were not paired with what's happening on screen you know like it's just yeah right there's five different character payoffs like and then Patrick shows up and saves the day. And then Mr. Krabs shows up. There's just too many mm-hmm. and they don't work mm-hmm. and, and they're undeserved. And at this point yeah. in the movie, I wrote down, I am watching a different movie. Like this is mm-hmm. not the movie that was at the start of the film anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is like the most, this is actually before they became superheroes, but this broke the movie for me. A child sees SpongeBob and goes, SpongeBob? Which just doesn't make any uh, sense. Yeah. <laughs> so they yeah. know. So SpongeBob is a show in this universe. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That, that does make zero sense. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's yeah. Patrick mm. tells SpongeBob at one point, no, you really blew it. This is entirely your fault. I was like, that's just so mean. Um, that's so not Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Plankton shows up and he's, and I'm like, am I supposed to be happy for Plankton? Like, it's all over the place if I'm supposed to be sympathetic of Plankton or not trust him. Um, yeah. The 3D superheroes are annoying. After this, I wrote down, uh, I'm exhausted. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, wrote, I mean, so much has happened. <laughs> I wrote Gary Joke sucked, but I don't know. Oh, this must be back when they're at the cartoon, like back in Bikini Bottom. Um, oh, Yeah. Yeah. There's a weird scene where Gary, like, yeah, he, like, is in charge of all these snails. Right, yeah. Is that, that what you yeah. were t- you talking about? No, that was earlier in the film. I also hated that. But him, like, roaring like a lion for no reason at the end, like... Oh, yeah. I did not Oh, my gosh. This, this is, you know, we're forgetting about so much because right. there's just so much. Right, right. So much not great stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned the random Pelican Island that they get stranded on. Oh my gosh, Squidward yeah. inking himself, like... Yeah. Yeah. And for a film that's supposed to be like, okay, if literally the only theme or the only lesson you're trying to teach is teamwork, which that right. in and of itself is very loose, like right. these characters who are supposed to be good friends who know each other are not working together i mean right. it's under the guise of like that you know we're all superheroes we're working together in right. the last 20 minutes or whatever mm-hmm. but for so much of it everyone's being mean to each other right. like you said like one person shows up and another person shows up and actually we're not really doing anything and right. i don't even remember how he gets defeated in the end like i don't even remember right they just it, plankton has a page, I think, and then they win, I guess. And then they, yeah. they kick him. He plankton kicks him into the middle of the ocean or something. Okay, yeah. And then it's over. Mm-hmm. Well, at least it's kind of over. They get back to Bikini Bottom. Everyone's excited. It's like the quickest turnaround. They get back and then everything's mm-hmm. back to normal. And they're like panning out. And uh I literally wrote down like is this the ending? Because I was like, this is <laughs> yeah. such like an unsatisfying payoff. Like it's so mm-hmm. brief, but mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, it gets worse. That <laughs> I thought was the ending. That would have been bad enough. But then to cap it all off, we end the film with our favorite part of the movie, which is, of course, Antonio Banderas and the talking <laughs> seagulls. 
so that sucks. Then they just start singing the SpongeBob theme song. And mind you, at the start of the movie, they sing it like in their own voices, which is kind of cute. They yeah. literally just have the audio from the actual theme song here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which I have to assume is just like, well, we got to get the theme song in there. The mm-hmm. animation style changes completely to an animation style that has not been in the entire film inexplicably. <laughs> and then so, it gets so much worse. <laughs> Also, Antonio Banderas is Painty the Pirate from the theme song now for some reason. Mm-hmm. But then the dolphin shows up. And I kid you not, listener, they end this movie with a literal rap battle from history between a dolphin and a seagull. And let me be clear at the time, I was like, this sounds a lot like epic rap battles of history like the youtube channel that was like really popular like many years before this movie came out mm-hmm. like when we were in like middle school mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like them i looked it up and much to my dismay they brought that youtube channel in to write the song oh my god <laughs> and for no reason the film ends with bubbles the dolphin and a completely different animation style rap battling a seagull who swears, mind you, he, he literally swears and they censor it out. Um, and <laughs> he makes a joke about them making the movie too long. And then the movie ends. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I. this is just like one last kick in the teeth as I'm on the ground sobbing at the end of this film. I wasn't really <laughs> sobbing, but salt in the womb. It ends with like they pan out. And there's elephants and people playing the banjo. Yep. What do either of those things have to do with SpongeBob? It's what the kids are into these days. Exactly. Exactly. I can't fathom how bad that ending is and how, like, (laughs) children's programming made by committee it is. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. I I will also say, like, I mean, this film was supposed to be dedicated to Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, what that is sad to me because he's one of my favorite characters on this show. I think Uh his voice acting like elevated the show. Right. Um they even Tim Conway, this was the last role he played and he was one of the seagulls. Right. Right. Um, who's barnacle boy. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is like, and then this would have been the last project. Is this the last project Steven Hillenberg was on? The last project right? actually is the third movie, which we'll discuss okay. after next season. But, but this is one of the last things and he came yeah. back for a significant amount, um, to help with this. Though still yeah. not as much as I even thought that he did. Like he wasn't at the recordings or anything like that. So I think mm-hmm. he was still very hands off with this movie. Well, I I read that he, the only recording he went to was with Mrs. Puff and Pearl, which which they both got, got cut, cut from the film. <laughs> um. So to me, it's like, oh, it's just what what always comes up. It's tragic to mm-hmm. what we love about the show and. You know, sorry, Paul Tibbet, if you're listening, but right. 
like what a shame. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I mean this yeah. I mean yeah. And I think for the most part we came in expecting that. But right. man, it, yeah. it it honestly I think was was worse than I expected. Right. right. With a few things to like, but but yeah. very few so and let's far end between. There. There are yeah, some sure. cute parts. There are some sweet yeah. parts. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but it did remind me <laughs> of how much I love seasons one through three. Because <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, mm-hmm. I do love SpongeBob, and I get why these other executives want to use him <laughs> because mm-hmm. I'm trying so hard to make this sound good. Okay. <laughs> there are some sweet parts, and I very much from day one did not want this podcast to ever become just hating on season four on because Mm -hmm. like why let, you know, executive cynicism steal my joy and why not just celebrate the things that we like? So amen. I hope that this was entertaining for the listener and I hope (laughs) that this will allow us to not feel bitter and sad. And I hope that this wasn't like an insufferable, like hour of hearing two adults just complain about a children's (laughs) film. But let this be a springboard into us just relishing in how good season two is. Yeah. Um, We're in for a treat. Yeah. Uh, any other closing thoughts, Sarah? Um, I think basically what you said that it, it does um, remind you of the reasons you like. Mm-hmm. like the parts of Spongebob that you like, which is most of it. Um, And we can, we're allowed to critique the things we don't like. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, yeah, we're, we're in for a treat with season two. I'm excited. Yep. Yep. And if you like this movie, I genuinely am happy for you. I'm not like, wow, you plebeian, you know, like, and tell us what you like. Totally. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you like this movie, please write in. If you like vehemently disagreed with something that we said, please write in, you know, and I'll, yeah. I'll read it on the air. I'll even let Morgan read it to me. Um, yeah. Just kidding. It's, it's not going to be a sparring. <laughs> Maybe we can have an epic, epic rap battle. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. See, I'm going right back into making fun of the movie. All right. That's the film. Hopefully I cut this mm-hmm. down to be just slightly shorter than whatever our longest episode is so that this isn't end up being the longest episode of the podcast but um thank you for listening if you've made it this far and please tune in next week as we jump into season two of spongebob squarepants what i think is like the greatest heights of the best show ever made see you then